All right. Good morning, Northridge. How are you guys? Good. So glad you guys are here today. My name is Pete, and uh, it's an honor to be here. I want to welcome those of you who uh, might be watching online this morning. Maybe you're in some really warm, tropical place, and those of us in Detroit want you to know that we hate you. Um, I'm just kidding. We don't. We don't hate you. But uh, if you are in a warm place and wonder what people up north do in the winter, I'll tell you what they do. They do things like go to ice festivals where they walk around an outdoor park in the ice cold and look at ice. That's what they do here. Now, and it really, I, I did the ice festival last night. It was really amazing. I saw some of you out there and uh, it, was, it was a blast. It's really cool. Uh, some of the neat things going on around here. So uh, we're in this series called Breaking Through. And um, the whole idea, the whole concept behind this series is that as we go into this new year, 2019, a lot of times we go into a new year with a lot of anticipation for, you know, things that could be different or things that could be better from last year. And the reality is, for that to be true, many of us have to break through in some different areas of our life. There's some different things that are holding us back, that are keeping us from living the life that God has for us. And so in this series, we're looking at different things that maybe we, we need to break through in life. And today we're going to talk about fear. Um... Of all the things that could hold you back in 2019 from becoming the person that God created you to be, this, this could be it, right? Did, did you know, I think this is so interesting, the most common command in scripture, right? The thing that God says to the human race more than anything else in the entire Bible, the most frequently repeated instruction is two words, fear not. Fear not. More than anything else. That's what he said to us. Hey, fear not. Then Jesus was here on earth. And when Jesus was on earth, he reaffirmed that. And the thing that he said more than anything else was, don't be afraid. He said it 15 times in the four gospels. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Have heart. Apparently, like, fear is a, is a really serious thing that we all deal with. And the question today is, what does it look like for us to have a breakthrough in this area of life? And we have to learn to combat fear with faith. Because the reality is, actually, most of us, you, you, you don't have a, a fear problem. What you have is a faith problem. Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It kind of sets up this concept that there's really two different paths that you can take in your life. You can trust in your own understanding. You can trust in your own assessment of the situation. You can trust in what you think is a good risk to take and what's not a good risk to take. Or you can trust in the wisdom of God. And that's a choice that every one of us gets to make. Now the goal here, just so you understand, the goal is not to establish this life that is void from any kind of fear. In fact, if your primary goal is to live a fear-free life, you pretty much guarantee you will never live a fear-free life. Right? God is not like a means of, of fear avoidance. The goal is to learn to not allow your fears to dominate you. Um, somebody one time explained it to me like this, and it's always kind of made sense and kind of stuck with me, that uh, if you're kind of going through life, uh, fear might be like a passenger in your car, right? And, and fear is kind of always there. And you can address fear. You can talk to fear. You can acknowledge that fear is there. The goal is just not to allow fear to become the driver of the car, right? It's there. 
It's always going to be there. It's kind of around. But you can't allow it to dominate. You can't allow it to drive. You can't allow it to control your life. And so the focus, kind of as we go into 2019, is not how can I fear less this year. The real focus is how can I trust God more? Right? Not how can I fear less, but how can I trust God more? Now, why is it that God tells us to not fear? I mean, why is that the most frequent command in all of Scripture? Because, I mean, just to be honest, if I think about it, there's some worse vices than fear, right, that we all struggle with, that God could have harped on if he wanted to. But instead, he keeps going back to this idea over and over again, don't fear, don't be afraid. Why is that so important? Well, I really don't know, but my hunch would be because fear is probably the primary reason that most of us don't do what God asks us to do. Fear is the primary thing that holds many of us back from becoming the men and the women that God's called us to be. And if you look through scripture, it's amazing. There's this, um, there's this common storyline. Every book of the Bible, almost every single major character, major story in the Bible follows a very similar storyline. And the storyline is that God gives somebody an idea. He gives them a dream. He gives them a passion. He gives them a calling. And that dream, that passion, that idea, that calling always requires them to leave their comfort zone and trust him in a way that they hadn't before. Pick almost any story in the Bible and it follows a very similar, similar storyline. Um, I've got three boys and when my boys were little, uh, one of the places I felt pretty safe about them playing was our backyard because in our backyard, uh, we had a fence. Um, a lot like this fence. Actually, there's nothing like this fence, to be honest with you. We, we got this fence um, from Trump, actually, is where we got this fence. And no, I don't know if you've heard, but the Democrats and Republicans finally came to an agreement. And this is what we're putting on the border. Um, so I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, well, not, we won't go there next service. Okay, so um, uh, our backyard was fenced in. And I felt safe about the kids in the backyard because we had control of the backyard. Inside the fence, right, was known. Inside the fence, we had control of all the variables. I'd removed anything that three boys could turn into a weapon, right? There's no sticks, no big rocks, nothing like that. Like, it completely controlled. It kept danger out, right? They were safe. It was known. It was predictable. Now, if for some reason, one of my three boys got out of the fenced-in backyard, outside of the fence, on the other side of the fence, that's not good news, is it? Because outside of the fence, we don't have control of the variables. Outside the fence is unknown. Outside the fence can be scary because you don't know what could happen. Now, kind of translate that over into like life, there are seasons, um, sometimes years, that you spend inside the fence. Inside the fence are the seasons, the years in your life where things are known. Things seem pretty predictable. You feel really safe. But you also know there are times in life where something comes along and maybe, again, it's an idea that God gives you, a dream that God gives you, a passion that God gives you, a calling that he gives you. Maybe it's a circumstance that happens in life. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe it's a career thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. But something kind of drives you to the very edge of what is known, to the very edge of the fence in your life. And all of a sudden, you're on the brink of crossing outside of the fence, outside of what's known, outside of what's predictable. And it's in those moments 
moments, right, that you experience fear. That's when you get that flutter in your stomach. That's when there's that stutter in your speech. That's when, like, all of a sudden, you feel a little bit of that panic. And the closer you get to the edge of that fence, the closer you get to the edge of what is known and what is predictable and what is controllable, that's where we feel fear. And that happens for lots of reasons. I don't know if you know this, but actually inside of your brain, there is a part of your brain, we're gonna call it the safety center, okay? Its whole job is to keep you safe. It's to keep you protected. And that part of your brain, that safety center, is constantly expanding throughout your life. So when you were a kid and you accidentally, inadvertently kind of got close to the stove and you burned your hand, your safety center in your brain logged that information. And so now anytime you get near the stove, right, your brain fires off all kinds of red flags like danger, don't go there, be very careful. Throughout your whole lifetime, right, that safety center is kind of expanding. And it's a good thing. It keeps you from a lot of danger. It keeps you from getting hurt. The problem is if that safety center is driving all of your decisions, what happens is in your life is you always stay inside the fence. Now, some of you think that's where life is. You want to spend as much time in the fence as you possibly can because, again, that's where you're most comfortable. But we all know that real growth in our life doesn't happen when we're inside the fence. The real growth in our life happens outside the fence, right? When we take these steps of faith. And so what does that look like in our life? And how do we get to a place, right, where we're not always controlled by that safety center, um, and, and this message, honestly, it's, it's for everybody because I think everybody struggles with fear. Um, but specifically today, wow, there, there's some of you, I think, that are just right there on the brink of something in your life and you sense God calling you to take a step of obedience, to say yes to something, but it absolutely scares you to death. And maybe it's a dream, maybe it's an idea, maybe it's a passion, maybe it's a calling, maybe it's a relationship thing or a career thing, um, maybe it's a spiritual thing, maybe it's taking a step towards baptism or saying yes to Jesus in some kind of way. I, I have no idea what it is. But I bet there's a bunch of you right now that are right on that brink, you're right on the edge of that fence and you sense God calling you just saying, hey, trust me. But you're scared to death. If that's where you're at today, there's three things I want you to know about breaking through fear. The first one is this. Um, in your life, don't wait until you resolved all of your personal issues to take a step of faith. All right? Don't wait until you resolved all your personal issues. Why? Because you are never going to resolve all of your personal issues. You're just not. Um, do you guys uh, in the Detroit area, do you have um, Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, it's miserable, isn't it? Um, no, really, if you're thinking about having kids, go there just one night and you'll never have kids. I promise you. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's an unbelievable place, but there's a game there because I would take my kids there all the time and it's called whack-a-mole. You know that game? You have this huge mallet and these, these little moles like pop up and then your job is to hit them and you hit one and like two more pop up and you're just constantly, it's in the, it's really good stress reliever, but uh, you, it's like you never really win the game because there are always more popping up. And that's kind of the way it is with your personal issues, right? You, you work on a certain area in your life uh, that you feel like needs some improvement, and then there's another area, like kind of falling apart. You're never going to resolve all of your per personal issues. So uh, really, I think it's a funny story in Scripture. In the book of uh, 1 Samuel, uh, Saul is going to be the first king of Israel. 
and the prophet Samuel is the one who's going to anoint him as king. And it becomes this you know, big deal, it's a big day. They're gonna anoint uh, Saul as king, Samuel's ready, and everybody's gathered, and they can't find Saul. They can't find him anywhere. First Samuel 10, verse 22, it says, so they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage, which should have been their first sign that maybe things weren't gonna work out real well with King Saul, right? He's hiding among the baggage. Now that's literally, he's hiding among the baggage. He's scared to death. But I think there's a figurative meaning for us as well there, because a lot of us are hiding among our baggage. And we all have baggage, every one of us. Where we've come from, um, what was done to us, what we did to others. There's circumstances and experiences and offenses and conversations and rejections, abuses, scars. Like we all have baggage and we hide because of our baggage. We hide in the middle of our baggage. We hide behind our baggage. And a lot of us are using the excuse these days that yeah, I, I, I wanna take this step of faith. I wanna do this, but I just, I've got too much baggage. I got too many issues. And some of you think that what God is waiting for is for you to clean up all of your baggage, for you to resolve all of your personal issues, and then he can use you in a significant way. You're like, yeah, I just got to get all this stuff resolved. Then, then I'll take a step of faith and I'll get baptized. Then I'll take a step of faith and I'll join a community group. Then I'll take a step of faith and actually volunteer in church. I'll, I'll say yes to God once I get all this stuff, you know, cleaned up in my life. But that's just not the way it works. I'll show you another interesting story. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Now, that's interesting there that some doubted because Matthew chapter 28, this is after Jesus has been crucified. He's been dead for three days. He's resurrected. He's now spent weeks with his followers. So this is post the resurrection. Some of them are looking at him and they're worshiping him and some doubted. Some of them still have questions. They're like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. We know you died on the cross. We saw that. You resurrected. That was pretty cool. Um, but we still got some questions. You got anything else for us? You know, any, any other tricks you could do? You know, because we're, we're just, we're not convinced yet. It goes on. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. Get this, Jesus gave the single most important spiritual assignment that had ever been given in this moment to a group of people who still weren't even convinced that they believed in him. They had doubt. They had some crazy doubt. And he said, here, I'm gonna trust you with this whole thing. Go and make disciples. Spread hope, spread love, spread forgiveness. Start the church. I know you still don't know if you believe, but I believe in you. See, it's interesting to me because some of you 
are struggling with some stuff and you're working through some things and maybe somewhere along the way, someone has convinced you that you're not good enough. Someone has convinced you that you're not spiritual enough. Someone has convinced you that because of your past baggage, God could never use you in a significant way. Somebody's convinced you that you're not qualified. And I want you to hear today, you are qualified. You are. I don't care what they told you. I don't care what you've done. You are qualified. God has always used ordinary, messed up people to do extraordinary things. It's all he has to work with. So don't buy into the lie that you have to get all of your stuff resolved before you can take a step of faith. You are qualified and God can use you in a very significant way. Second thing I want you to know if you're thinking about taking a step of faith, don't wait until you feel confident. Right, don't wait until you feel confident. The Bible's full of people, just like me, just like you, who really struggled with confidence of whether or not they should take this step of faith, whether or not they could ever be used. Moses probably is the most famous of all of them, right? Let me read you just a little bit of his story. This is Exodus chapter three. It says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? See, this is where we start to sense that Moses has some fear. He starts this whole, like, just one excuse after another where he's like, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? What if I take this step of faith and things don't go exactly the way I thought that they were going to go? And some of you know all about this. This is where you're at right now. What if I try to lose weight and I don't lose the weight? What if I try to stop drinking and I, and I can't stop drinking? What if we go to marriage counseling but the marriage actually never gets any better? What if we can't get out of debt? What if I go to that job interview and I get rejected? What if I lose my job? What if I, I try this thing that I kind of sense God wants me to take a step and try and it fails and I look like a fool in front of everybody? And you're just spinning off all these kind of worst case scenarios. What if this happened? What if that happened? Exodus chapter four, verse one, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord does not appear to you. Again, he keeps going with all these what if scenarios. Now the fear that Moses is experiencing in this moment is what I would call external fear. Kind of two categories of fear. That first one being external fear. It's a, it's a fear about the circumstances around you. That if you take the step of faith, whatever you sense God's calling you to do, that there's some circumstances that aren't going to work out exactly the way you thought they were going to work out. If you transition from inside the fence to outside the fence where things are unknown and unpredictable, something could go wrong. That's an external fear. Usually external fears we push through, they just slow us down. It takes us a lot longer before we finally pull the trigger. But there's another type of fear that's even more dangerous. It's not external fear, but it's internal fear. I'll show you what that looks like. Exodus chapter four. This is where Moses drifts to next. It says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. 
And the Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth, who makes him deaf or mute, who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. So here's what often happens in life. There's this shift, or actually it's a progression from external fear, a fear of your circumstances, to an internal fear, which is the fear that you don't have what it takes. And this is a much more dangerous kind of fear because now it's not just like, hey, I don't know that this situation is right. I'm not sure that the timing is right. I'm not sure that the circumstances are lining up right. And it's a progression to, I think I'm not right. I don't think I'm the right person. I don't think I have what it takes. What Moses is saying here and what many of you are saying is, I'm just not ready. One day, right, someday, I'll take this step of faith, but I'm not ready. It's interesting, one of the most common questions that I get asked, and it comes in all kinds of different forms, but I hear it all the time. The question essentially is, Pete, when will I know that I'm ready to take that step of faith? Like, when, when will I know like that, that it's right, that, that I'm ready to leave my comfort zone? And I believe the reality is about trusting God and leaving your comfort zone, that you're never really ready. The truth about me and the truth about you, when it comes to the most important and most challenging parts of our life, we're just never ready. But God loves using people who aren't ready. Just think about it. Like, when in the Bible did God ever come to anyone and say, hey, I have an assignment for you. I have a job for you. I have a calling for you. I have a step of faith that I want you to take. And that person responded with, oh, yeah, this is great timing. This is perfect. I've been waiting for you. Like, I am fully prepared and I'm all filled up. Let's go. And the answer would be, as far as I know, never. I, don't, I can't think of a single time that ever happened in Scripture that somebody thought they were ready for whatever God was calling them or challenging them to do. I can't think of a single time. Listen, if you want to make an impact with your life, big or small, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because that, that's where it's at, right? That's where we have this growth. That's where we have to lean into God in new ways and trust him in ways that we never have before. And here's what I want you to realize. I just think inside of every person, there's this life that God has for you that you will never realize as long as you are dominated by your fears. Because fears, listen, always establish the limits of your life. Always. If you fear heights, you're going to stay low. If you fear outside, you stay inside. If you fear people, you'll stay alone. If you fear failure, you'll never try. Fear will always establish the limits of your life. And so if you ever want to accomplish the life that God has for you, you got to learn how to step into the fear and use the fear as fuel to actually move you forward. But if you're thinking about taking a step of faith, don't wait. Don't wait until you're ready. And the third and the final thing I would tell you is... Um, don't wait until all the problems are resolved. Because there's always going to be problems, right? Isaiah chapter 43, I love this passage. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Do not be afraid. Why? For I am 
with you. It's a beautiful promise. See, the promise from God is not that you won't fear. The promise is not a life that's going to be easy or smooth or where everything is going to go right. The promise from God is that he will be with you in the midst of the fear. And please, I, I want to be crystal clear about this. Like, I am in no way suggesting that if you take your step of faith, whatever your step of faith might be, that it's all going to work out the way you want it to work out. In fact, it might get worse. It, it might be really ugly. But what I know is that um, I got a lot of regret in my life. And almost all the regret in my life ties back to three simple words. Lack of faith. Almost all the regret I have are moments in my life where I felt like God was calling me to trust him and for some reason or another, I didn't. You see, every opportunity, including the opportunity that you have right before you right now, every opportunity has an expiration date and the cost of missing out is usually greater than the cost of messing up. Some of you are so afraid of failure, but I'm telling you, there are worse things in life than failure and regret would be one of those. Where is it that God's calling you to take a step of faith? I'll tell you a passage that has meant a lot to me in my life, especially in times where I'm in seasons where um, I'm feeling called to step outside of the comfort zone and I'm going into something that's just unpredictable and, and scary and unknown, um, is Psalms chapter 121. And it's a short little passage, it's just three verses, but the imagery has helped me so much. And I just wanna kinda close by walking through this passage with you and kinda giving you some imagery maybe that you can hang on hang on to like in the midst of whatever you're going through. And Psalm 121 says this, it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Now that phrase, there's a Hebrew phrase, I lift up my eyes. It's a, a very common Hebrew expression. And it's not just talking about like your physical eyes, like literally I lift up my eyes. It, it's talking more about this amazing human freedom that we all have, that you get to choose where you place your mind. You get to choose what you focus on. I lift up my eyes to the mountains and it says, where does my help come from? Well, my help comes from the Lord. Who's the Lord? It says the maker of heaven and earth. It's this reminder of where, where, where should your focus be? Where should your attention be? Where should your eyes be at? Oh, on the mountains, on the Lord, right? Because he is the maker of heaven and earth. It's just a reminder, he's the author of it all. It's just a reminder that there is a God and it's not me. And this God, not me, is in control. And that's good news, right? Where do I want my focus to be when I'm going through something and I'm transitioning out of my comfort zone? I want my eyes to be on him. And so just a, a, a quick gut check for every one of us right now as you're on the brink of taking your step of faith, where's your focus? Where's your attention? Is it on your problem? Is it on the stress? Is it on the anxiety? Is it on all the impossibilities? Or is it on God? What are you talking more about these days? Your problems or the power of God in your life? Where are your eyes? And then you get to verse three and it says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. I love this concept. God gives watch. 
God is the watcher and I am the watchee. I am the kind of human being that needs to be watched over. Right? I, I need a watcher because if I'm like on my own, my life is like kind of doomed because anything that God leads you to do initially is going to involve some level of fear. And there's promises, hey, where are your eyes focused at? Are you on the Lord? Because that's where our help comes from. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the author of life. He will not let your foot slip because he's watching over you. And I think that's a beautiful promise, a beautiful reminder for every one of us that feels like we're all alone right now. Um, several years ago, uh, I took my boys hiking in um, Smoky Mountain National Park. Uh, it's in kind of East Tennessee and a little bit of North Carolina. And it's this beautiful park and beautiful mountains and just hundreds and hundreds of miles that you can hike. And we were on this hike and we kind of came to this spot that it wasn't like crazy dangerous, but like with little kids, not like the safest. It's like this bridge that goes over this ravine, except for it's not really a bridge. It's like a log that they had made flat, like on top. And it had one handrail that's like leaning way over like this. It's kind of crooked, right? And you had to walk across this ravine. Now, it wasn't like, like crazy, crazy high. I would say the drop was like 15 feet down into this ravine. So like if one of my kids falls, they're, I mean, they're probably not going to die, uh, but they are going to break something, okay? And so I'm kind of thinking through this, like, all right, how's this going to work out? So my oldest, he gets across, no problem. Middle son, across, no problem. My youngest at the time is about three years old. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm probably going to carry him across. That's probably the wise uh, decision in this moment. So I go to pick him up and he just throws this fit because he wants to do this on his own, right? He, he's convinced, like he saw his brothers do this and he can do this. He does not need dad's help. He's gonna cross the bridge on his own. And so he starts off across the bridge and I can literally hear him breathing, right? I can see his legs shaking. He is scared to death, but he's absolutely convinced that he can make it across this bridge on his own. Uh, my oldest son actually took a picture of that moment. I'll show you the picture right now of him crossing this bridge. Now, what he never knew at any moment was that I was right behind him the entire time. Every step that he took, I took with him. He thought this was like the scariest thing he had ever done in his life. What he didn't know is that he was actually never in any real danger because if his foot even slightly slipped. I was there to snatch him up. I keep that picture in two places. Keep one in my office and I have another one in my house. And it's a constant reminder to me every time I look at that picture. Because I, I look at that picture, I don't really see my son. And I don't necessarily see me behind him. For me, that's just been a picture of my life over and over again. So many moments where I've stepped out in faith and I'm scared to death, but I have my Father God right behind me. And sometimes I feel like I'm alone. Yeah. Sometimes I feel scared. Sometimes I feel like God doesn't know and God doesn't care. I feel like God isn't restoring I feel like God isn't releasing his mighty power. I feel like I am all alone, but it's this reminder to me that actually I'm never alone because whenever you 
take a step of faith. He's with you. And that's the promise throughout scripture. Almost every single time that God says, do not fear. You know what it's followed up with? Because I am with you. It's do not fear. Not because you have the power to make this happen, but because our God, our creator, the maker of heaven and earth is with us step for step. He's with you. And so no matter how scared you might be, and I know, I know, there's a bunch of you that are scared to death right now. You're on the brink. On this side, it's known and predictable. On this side, it's unknown and it's unpredictable and it's scary. And you sense God calling you to take that step, but you feel like you're all alone and you're scared to death. My prayer for you, for every single one of you as we go into 2019, is that you will trust Jesus in at least one area of your life that absolutely scares you to death. That you'll take that step of faith and just see that he is with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for a new year. We thank you, God, that you actually do care about the kind of people that we're becoming. And because of that, you on a regular basis allow us to come to a place where we have a choice to make. Where we can either lean in on our own understanding and our own perception, or we can trust you. Again and again and again in our life, Lord, you lead us to these places where we have this choice to either take the step and to trust you, to trust you, to follow our heart, to follow the dream, the passion, the idea that you've put into our heart, or to either shrink back in fear. And God, we all know that the growth that we so desperately want in our lives comes when we step out and we trust you. And God, thank you so much for the reminder today that we're not alone. We are never alone, for you are with us. And so for the person who feels scared and alone and feels like you don't know and you don't care, I pray that today, as they leave this place, they will be reminded anew that they are not alone, that you are with them. I pray that today they will be reminded they don't have to wait until all their personal issues get resolved to take that step of faith. They don't have to wait until they're ready that no matter how unqualified they are or feel like they are, they actually are qualified in your eyes. You've always used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I pray that you continue to do that with each and every single one of us. For it's in your holy and in your precious name that we pray, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Listen, you don't want to miss next week. Pastor Brad is back and is going to continue in this Breaking Through series. It's going to be great. So have an awesome week, and we'll see you next weekend. Thanks. <laughs>